0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I am excited to share with you a conversation that I got to have with my friend, Anne Bogle. She's been on the show before. This time, we talk about her new book called Reading People, How Seeing the World Through the Lens of Personality Changes Everything. Heads up, if you enjoyed the Enneagram episode... This episode is going to be a tangential episode to that one. If you missed that one, by the way, I will link to that in the show notes. So you can go check that out or just go to list.com and type in Ian Cron. That's I-A-N-C-R-O-N. But as you might guess, this episode and my conversation with Anne is all about the different personality assessments and tests that are out there. But not only that, we do a not deep dive on a number of them so that you can hear about some of these different options. But we talk about the benefit to these tools, not only in just self-discovery and knowing yourself better so that you can do work better, but knowing others better and creating stronger or deeper connections or intimacy with friends, family members, and even coworkers. Again, so you can do work better or do life better. Which really is the end goal, right? Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome back to the show again, once again, Anne Bogle. Anne, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. So let's see here. You were on one of the really early episodes, probably in the first 10 to 20 episodes. Uh, I think you were back talking about some kind of productivity tool, probably paper, if I'm not mistaken, back in... Uh like episode 100. And uh, and then since then, I saw you at Podcast Movement last summer in Chicago, which was awesome. And then I was on your show, which I think is an awesome show. Talk to me about what that show is and explain a little bit of the why behind why you chose to do that show and what you're trying to accomplish with that.
1: Well, first of all, Eric, I didn't realize we had such a history. Because when I was on your show the first time, it felt like you were an established podcaster by then. So it's really funny to think back and realize what a tiny fraction of what was to become your podcasting career we was already in the books. Yeah. Yeah. Which apparently was not very much. <laughs> um, oh, podcasting is fun. So the why behind why I've been blogging was my first online adventure since 2011. Another thing where I felt very, very new for a very long time. And now all of a sudden, we're looking at our seven-year anniversary coming up, which is blowing my mind.
0: Wow. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. So... And then we're coming up on two years on the podcast. So uh, when I started the blog, it felt very late. But you know now it seems like I started pretty early and it's been seven years. But as my as I got more interested in podcasts, I always thought, wouldn't it be fun to have one? But just couldn't think of, of a why. Like there just wasn't a good idea. I didn't want to have the Modern Mrs. Darcy show um, because I didn't want to do it for the sake of doing it. But then I realized that this blog series that I've been doing – on the blog for, um, I think, maybe a little over a year. That was a really great idea, but I just didn't love it in the written format the way I thought I would. I realized that would be a really amazing podcast experience, or at least that was the goal. It was at least promising if I could make something of it. And that was, I started the series on the blog, and I just put it up on a whim on a Sunday morning because that's a safe space to test out your strange ideas. And I said, all the time, people come to me and say, I'm just looking for a great book. Will you tell me about a great book? And that's no surprise because on my blog, um, it's a lifestyle blog for nerds. Like one of our big goals is to help people get more out of their reading lives. So it's no surprise they were coming to me with that request, but that literally is what they'd ask. Tell me about a great book that I can read. I'm like, well, you know, like great for who and how, and what do you even like to read? And you got to give me more to go on because people like different things for different reasons. So on the Sunday morning, I said, okay, readers, tell me three books you love, One Book You Hate and What You're Reading Now, and I will recommend three books to read next because that is the only way we're going to find a book that you consider a rewarding reading experience. So we did this in writing for a long time, and I just really wanted to ask people questions. And I wanted to say like, oh, this would be perfect, but it's popular. Have you read it yet? What, What did you think about it? Am I on the right track or not? And I finally realized that while that series was very frustrating in writing, it really might lend itself to podcasting. So that is how that got
0: started. I, so when I can share that I've been on the show and to me, looking back, it felt like it was a game show in a way. You know, <laughs> in, in in a in a nerdy book reading kind of game show way, it was really cool because you walk through those like, what are the three things that, what are the last three books you read, what are you reading now, what's a book that you hate, and and you did this with me, and I and I remember some of my answers, and we won't dive too deep into that because I'll link to that show, that episode that I'm on in the show notes as kind of maybe a good shoehorn into. Uh, the rest of your podcast for people, since they're familiar with me, they may not be as familiar with you, but that'll be fun for them, I think. So,
1: I think. I want to listen to that again now. So I remember you yeah. really liked Rob Bell's How to Be Here. Yep. And I know I recommended Hatching Twitter.
0: Yep. Did you ever read it? Oh, gosh, it's on my list. Sorry. <laughs> 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 Confession.
1: <laughs> okay, I have a question for you. Sure. Did you feel like you were the contestant?
0: You know, that's a good Question. I don't know. I feel like maybe it was a stump and kind of a situation. Like maybe, you know, can I make can I get it to the point where she doesn't know what to give me, you know, suggestion wise or anything? But at the same time, it's like, no, maybe I am the contestant, maybe because I'm the one answering the questions. I don't know. I think it's kind of a mixture of both. Anyway, I don't know if the theory holds up, but it felt like uh, it felt like a true game show where it's actually fun. And, you know, the points don't matter. Like whose line is that? Any, is
1: well, it that actually sounds really perfect to me. But I'm asking you a lot of questions, which puts you in the hot seat. But then I always get really nervous before recording because I recommend books to people live. So the underlying assumption is that my brain will be able to generate something yeah. decent on the fly in the moment. And that terrifies me because I'm always afraid, you know, this is going to be the day where it's just not going to happen.
0: But and I'm not sure happening.
1: what would happen next.
0: Yeah, but it keeps happening. Here's the thing. like as, as long as I've known you, basically, you're the person I think of who's all about books, more so than probably anybody else I know to be honest. And maybe that's just because of your online presence or whatever. But it didn't surprise me at all when the title of your new book came out, and it was called Reading People, because I thought to myself, well, duh, like, you're into reading. (laughs) It makes sense. But what I wasn't sure of was the fact that you were into all of these different personality tests and uh, discoveries and, you know, like, I don't, I, test sounds so bad. And there's my personality giving it, giving it kind of away <laughs> right there. Is, um, personality test is kind of like a black and white, rigid kind of a, I don't know, rubric to, to, uh, discover or uh, you know see somebody through lens wise but that's the subtitle is how is see- how seeing the world through the lens of personality changes everything so what led you to writing this book and how has this affected you
1: Well first of all I'm glad you like the title and that's really funny that your reaction was oh of course because that title was completely an 11th hour you need to give us what you want by 4pm it's one thirty-five. Um, phone calls to everybody at my publisher. What are we going to do? Because I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't crazy about the working title. It was fine, but we had been thinking all along, like, oh, this is just the working title. We'll come up with something better. And I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting for some, my brain to come up with something better. So at the very last minute, I was like, wait, I have it. And your reaction was, of course, but it was seriously like eleven fifty-nine on the you know pumpkin clock
0: well and so if i can interject here i think partly you knew what it should have been all along you just didn't plumb the depths of your personality enough to find it (laughs) and then when it comes out of course to me when you when you dig it out of yourself and then show it to somebody like all you know great art it's like everybody else looks at and is like of course you know and
1: then the original subtitle was like 18 paragraphs long it was great
0: books with subtitles these days seriously Anyway. It's
1: search engines. That's what. That's what I have since found out. I knew. I knew it was a trend, but I didn't know why. And it's all because of search engines.
0: You just blew my mind because I've been pondering this for a long time and didn't make that connection till now. Thank you very much.
1: It makes sense, right?
0: It does. It totally does. I hadn't thought about that. But that doesn't mean that. that I knew. So, so you were. So you've been into these kinds of personality tests, and you know, there, there's a number of like you talk about a bunch of different ones in this book. So, and, and we've talked about. Maybe one or two of them recently here on the show, but I want to kind of do a a, a, a not deep dive into all of them <laughs> talk about the and I want to talk about the why behind like why it's a good thing to do some of this self-discovery stuff so but reading people like what is what's so important about I mean I'm assuming you're not just meaning reading others to like gain leverage on them, but like self-discovery knowing yourself and the others you you work with, you live with, you have family with, et cetera.
1: So underlying all of what I do, even on Modern Mrs. Darcy, is the idea that it can be really beneficial to take a fresh look at the things that we're so familiar with, we just take them for granted. And I think that can be extremely true of all of us, how we view and understand our own selves. And then the people around us, we tend to get set in our ways of like, oh, you know, my husband's like this, my kid's like this, my mom is like this. And I really love how these different different personality Assessments and these personality typing tools give you a structured way to think in a new way about yourself and the people around
0: you. Perfect. Yeah. So I had um, Ian Cron on recently to talk about mm-hmm. the Enneagram specifically, and he's actually coming back. So, heads up on that. He's coming back to literally walk through all nine types of the Enneagram and talk about the common productivity hangups each of those have and how to overcome them. I'm really psyched about that episode.
1: Oh me too that's excited and yeah. I remember now we talked about his book
0: Yes, exactly
1: And you were on what should I read next?
0: That's another key as to why when I saw your book I'm like, well duh, she was totally into the Enneagram and it's all about books so this is kind of a you know Venn diagram of those two interests for you. So I have to ask how long have you been into these different types of assessments and tests and things.
1: Oh, since I knew they existed.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Like when I was in middle school and I think I was in middle school, maybe it was early high school, but my mom brought home a book from church about a personality assessment that is not in the book, but you know, she left it sitting on the table and I'm one of those compulsive readers who like can't help but read the signs on the wall at the DMV because there's written material mm-hmm. that my brain is just like, who what does that say? So I picked it up and started reading. And the whole premise of that book is basically your life will be better if you understand these things about yourself and the people around you. And I'm like, Whoa, you know, that sounds interesting. And I really, really loved the theory behind it. It sounded really promising and fascinating. And it was also one of those, the hidden secrets behind why you do what you do. Like I've always been a sucker for anything like that. But that book didn't really hook me even though it did pique my interest because according to this typing system i didn't i couldn't see myself as any of the types I wanted to be like forty percent of this and fifty percent of this and another ten percent of this and or that particular framework didn't help me any because there was no place to look up well okay, so if you're like this fifty forty ten blend obviously that means so it did give me insight into the people around me and helped me realize that other people have have different goals and different ways of seeing the world and different struggles and different ways of relaxing. So it was good at least to realize, Oh, Hey, not everybody's like me. And even if that's all you take away from the fact that these personality assessments exist, I think that is a huge leg up on where you were before. Cause we get stuck so much when we don't even realize we have blind spots, just things we're not understanding. But yeah, it goes way back. And it wasn't until I was, um, really in my 20s, that I really feel like I got it and started to understand, oh, like, these are the things that I can learn about myself out of some of these frameworks. And these are the actual, practical, actionable implications that can actually and did start actually making a difference in my life and what I did.
0: See, and that and that's one of the key things right there is a lot of people kind of like you will say, yeah, I don't know about this regarding any of the number of different assessments or things out there. They say, well, uh, is how true is this? You know, does this real? Is this really the way we we are? You know, Ian Cron kind of addressed that with the the Enneagram uh, when he was talking about all nine types. Is like you're not just one type; you're all the types, but you're predominantly one or and or two of them. And then some people are like, yeah, but I don't know, but but you saying. That look, it doesn't necessarily matter for the most part, which, which or any of these you do use them as tools in and of themselves to find out one, how, how you operate and how others operate, and then how you can kind of work together better and understand yourself better and them better and work together better. Right?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I love the way Ian Cron talks about that. And just being able to say like, okay, so I'm a type nine on the Enneagram, but that is not my identity, but it says something true about myself that has really helped inform how, like how I make decisions in the moment and help me understand why I do some very irrational, well, seemingly irrational, some very (laughs) stupid things I do. Like I sabotage myself in very specific ways and the Enneagram doesn't capture like every tiny bit of who I am and that's not its aim. And I think, I mean, I would object if I was told like, this is your like destiny right here. Mm -hmm. Like, because you are a nine, you will. Therefore, like, that's not how it works. But anytime somebody can say like, here's an example for you, Eric. Anytime somebody can say like, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to double down on the fashion example I was thinking of. Like, you don't look great in hot pink, but like that soft coral, like it makes you look amazing. Like, that doesn't mean that it says something like inviolable about your personality. But might it make you happier when you look in the mirror and like go about your day to be wearing color that makes you feel fabulous, that looks really good. Um yeah. So it's not like who you are, but it's a piece of who you are. And that's a really surfacey example. But like once I realized I just need to buy wide shoes and then my feet are a lot more comfortable, I started buying wide shoes. And now my feet are a lot more comfortable. So it makes a difference in my life. And I feel that these Frameworks on a much more like soul level make the same kind of difference in my life.
0: Totally. Yeah. So I I have to tell a story here then. My wife was going through some sort of study. And this is a couple Saturdays ago. And she said, hey, I want you to take this. And it's the one where it's like choleric, sanguine... What's that one? Mm-hmm. The one whatever, mm-hmm. whatever one that would, that is, and I took it, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, I was to- I totally had you pegged," and then she was like, "Let's have our daughter do it," and we have a twelve-year-old daughter, so she came in and and luckily she obliged right away, and then she actually got interested in it when we found out what she was, because then my my wife was like, "Oh my gosh, all this time I thought she was way more like." Uh, you but she's way more like me instead and i'm like oh no and so, <laughs> but it but it was a moment it was one moment like it's here's the thing it's like now do we have her like boxed in and pegged and we you know here's her stamp she's she, <laughs> she's gone through the sorting hat if you will and now we know which house she's in forever and ever no but it gave us a little bit more of an understanding of who she is and how she approaches things for better or for worse for us to then be able to engage with her better as her parents. And it was a really illuminating and surprisingly fun thing to have done. And so, I you know, there's benefit here. Is it, is it ultimately what we're saying here is humans are so much more infinitely complex than any Of these tests singularly, or all of them put together, even like even if you were to do all these tests, right? Like that does that still doesn't like fully encapsulate who you are as like your identity,
1: absolutely not, or absolutely, yeah, whichever way you're
0: whichever the agreement is, I'll take
1: it. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, doesn't capture it all,
0: yeah. So, and but but that said, we're always kind of, you know, in that in the dark in terms of who we are and how we are and and self-discovery is a lifelong process. So, these are beneficial tools to help us understand ourselves and understand others and then be able to have say less friction in our relationships. I mean, I mean, who doesn't want that, right? Right. So, and then on top of that, then, when it gets into the real nitty gritty, which is again why I'm really excited to have Ian come back, is then we're able to, once we know what our hangups are, we can start leaning into uh, our strengths or operating in them and feel free and stop, you know, self sabotaging, like you said earlier.
1: Absolutely. And it's funny that you keep mentioning the Enneagram because this is the one that has definitely helped me the most in the past few years. Although, I wouldn't want to trade in my experience with any of them. But in the in the progression of how I've come to know about the different personality frameworks, the Enneagram is the one that I came to last, which makes sense because a lot of practitioners say, like, don't identify, don't even try to identify your type until you're approaching 30. Um, And, you know, I haven't always been in my 30s. But the more I know, it's like the, the deeper and more meaningful the implications become.
0: Yeah. So like... When it comes to productivity, how there's so many different, there's so many tools and different systems out there. Some people are going to gravitate towards certain ones because it fits them better. Even in what that's actually really funny and almost ironic that our personality is going to potentially gravitate towards a certain personality assessment based on our personality.
1: Oh, and I'm absolutely the kind of personality type who geeks out about personality about all of them. And like, (laughs) yes, exactly. (laughs) The kind of person who really values, um, individualization and self-awareness and like deep, big thoughts, just, just the abstract wonderland that has really very little to do with like, I don't know where to put your Tupperware. So yeah, totally, totally an NF thing.
0: Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search. So let's maybe take a few minutes to run down some of the, not all of them, but some of the major ones that you talk about in the book and just kind of give an example of them. Because I don't think we've touched on all of them. I mean, the Enneagram, we could kind of, let's, let's hit that one first because I know that's the one that's most recently mentioned on this show. Uh, and I know it's the most recent one that you've, you know, come across and worked with. Let's, let's tear through that one and then go through like, say, the five love languages and, and or like strength finders and I don't know. Any other ones and just kind of do a quick summary, talk about like the benefits of each of them so that people can kind of say, oh, okay, I think maybe that's the one that I would start with.
1: You got it. So the Enneagram we've been talking about and your regular listeners will be familiar with. So the basic idea there is that there are nine types of people. And what your Enneagram type does is pinpoint the driving motivation behind Why you do what you do. And sometimes that sounds like kind of fun and noble, but the Enneagram is often called a negative system because really it's about exposing like the deep, dark, nasty stuff that lurks deep within you. And your driving motivation is never a good thing. So there are things like um, fear and greed. And like the need to be special, so they don't really make you feel like a special snowflake. When you find out you're Enneagram type, you kind of feel um, really deeply messed up. But that's just the starting point. And from there, you can learn what it looks like to look healthy as your type. And um, oh, like it's never, you know, you know a lot of writers, Eric. Mm-hmm. So, very few say, like, oh, I just love writing, but writers love having written. The Enneagram journey is not always a walk in the park, but having Enneagrammed is pretty fantastic because it really does. By exposing the stuff that's tripping you up, it allows you to free yourself from it. And that's really, really powerful. Um, oh, and just, I hate to say this out loud, but just learning, like, I'm a nine. So, in the first, I didn't think I was a nine for many, many years because the um, besetting sin is like some practitioners, like Rora put it, of the type nine is sloth. And I'm not a lazy person. I get a lot of stuff done. So I just thought, you know, I seem like a nine in many ways, but there is no way that that's my big issue. And I realized what it really meant is that I'm lazy about like personal boundaries. Like, That makes you wince when you find out like, oh, that is actually, in fact, true about me. And I hate that. But it's only when you realize that it's actually a problem, you can do something about it. It's like having an allergy. Like if you keep eating pecans and they keep eating you sick, but you have no idea what the problem is, you just always feel kind of bleh. Finding out what the problem is, you can do something about it, is so great. Now, if only like dealing with boundary issues was as easy, as just not eating pecans. Because that's not that hard. But but it functions the same way. Until <laughs> yeah. you know what the problem is, you yeah. can't do anything about it.
0: Yeah, I told Ian that uh, the the way that I found out I was a 5 was because of all the numbers, the negative version of a 5 was like, "Oh, that's me. That's how I am when I'm when I'm negative. Like that that is that's my downside right there. There's my weakness. You you've slayed me." So,
1: And that's the rule of fun for the the rule of thumb for the Enneagram. When you look at how you tend to act when you're in an unhealthy state, like when you are unhealthy or when you do feel bad, like when you are hangry, where do you go? Like what does your behavior look like? Right. That's how you find out your Enneagram type. Yeah. Which is very useful to know. But also like, oh, if you're not when if you read the description, you're like, Oh, that hurts. That's your type.
0: Yep. That's that's oh. my experience. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you are in abundant company. I almost said good company, but we'll just say abundant company. Yes. So the love languages. So this is a really popular framework created by a Christian counselor, Gary Chapman, and he created this based on his experiences doing marriage counseling with thousands of couples over the years. And the idea here is that we all tend to express sincere love in five different ways. And we all expect to feel and experience love the same way we tend to give it. So There are five main love languages, and there are things that you've probably heard of if you're a listener of a podcast like yours, like um, acts of service or quality time or physical touch, and this is all completely neutral. Like He's just describing what is, but where we run into problems is we want to show our spouses like, oh, hey, I love you so much, so we'll rake the leaves for them in the fall because Our love language is acts of service and we think, you know, there is nothing that will make my spouse feel loved, like raking up all these leaves. And so we are acting the best way we know how to show our sincere love for our spouse. But our spouse's love language is quality time. So while we're raking those leaves to show our spouse how much we love them, they're sitting aside on the couch going, why won't you just come talk to me? Like, why do you ignore me? Why do you act like I don't matter to you? So that's just an example of how two people with different love languages can totally miss each other and cause really um, hurt feelings and worse just because they don't know how to speak each other's language. So once you understand, first of all, that people show their loves in different ways, it's so um, helpful to see again and again with these personality frameworks that just because something seems natural to you That's because it seems natural to you. That's not the way that everybody thinks about the world. And just knowing that is so helpful. But first of all, it helps us see that our spouse isn't expecting this or, you know, whatever. Like Chapman also does the love languages of appreciation, not the love languages of appreciation, the languages of appreciation for the workplace.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was going to say, because that's because even because one, you can apply this not just to you know spouses, but also to kids, which is really helpful for parents to be able to know how to really show their kids like, hey, I love you. But also uh, to take that out of a familial or a romantic setting and take it into the workplace even and say like, hey, you're doing a great job. But if I'm telling you all the time, but not like showing you, mm-hmm. then, you, know, you know, actually, mm-hmm. that's, um, even though one of the things is words of affirmation, um, it really does still come down to The disconnect between how we show it, not just tell it, you know?
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. Unless you're a words of affirmation person, in which case you want to hear it. And you can see really quickly as you get into the love languages how easy it is to have misunderstandings at best and like total relationship breakdowns at worst because maybe you're the love language that thinks talk is cheap pair it up with the person who thinks if you love me you'll say so and like the potential for disaster there Mm. is huge and chapman just shows like here's what's going on here's what to do about it it's not that big a deal we can all chill as long as we know what's happening yeah it's which is the case with so many of these
0: it really is like speaking learning how to speak each other's languages (laughs) you (laughs) know you know in a verbal metaphor you know
1: Yes, and it sounds complicated, but really, like the concept it's is not, not complicated.
0: hard. I mean, it's yeah. literally there are five of them, and again, that's kind of oversimplistic. But really, there's not anywhere else to go necessarily. That it, there's not a there's not a sixth hidden love language that like, <laughs> is out there. But, no, it, because if there was, like, you'd say, no, that falls into this this other one. It's one of the five. So yeah, anyway,
1: super easy once yeah. you understand. It just gives you another like another lens by which to view the world. And I think the more lenses we have the better. Uh, another one included in the book, this is actually what I start out with because one psychologist called it the North and South of temperament. It matters so much. It roots so much about our like global personalities and behaviors is introverts and extroverts. And I've been really surprised in listening to feedback about reading people is how many people still don't really understand which type they are and what that means. Like, I kind Susan Cain wrote an amazing book in 2011 called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World that Can't Stop Talking. And it sold so many copies that I think I just kind of assumed, oh, everybody already knows this. But we should talk about it in reading people anyway, because it's so important and it sets the stage for things like um, Kiersey's Temperaments and Myers-Briggs. So we talked about it in the book. But there's still this huge misconception that introverts are quiet, socially awkward, and could never speak in the front of the room Or um, be something, you know, be a performer, or that they could have a podcast. Like people make jokes at podcasting conferences, like, oh, you know, like introverts raise your hands. Just kidding, you're not here. And
0: no, there's there's so many there's so many introverted and extroverted podcasters. I. Yeah. What you're getting at here, sorry, I'm, I'm totally interrupting. You. <laughs> but which is totally Get not off. me. But like, I, I feel very strongly about this one, because introverts and extroverts is really, at least as far as my understanding has been, has grown to at least is it's about how you recharge. Is it do you recharge with people? Then that's extroversion. If or, or do you recharge by yourself? That's introversion. But we've, be, and these two words are probably of, out of all the types that you, or, or typing that you can do that's in your book uh these are the two words that i think are most common people have have heard these words before they are actually familiar with them and the mistake that we've made somehow is that introvert equals the word shy and extrovert equals outgoing and that's just totally not true
1: yes and we run into so many problems with personality frameworks because so often these, these tools use words we know with meanings we don't. Like that trips up people all day long with Myers-Briggs. And I think it's the same for introverts and extroverts. We think we know what those words mean. And so often we don't. Something else that's really helped me and a lot of people is to understand that introvert and extrovert are nouns, but they're also verbs and that we all do both every single day. We spend time introverting In our own heads and we spend time extroverting out in like the external world not in our own heads and we all do both like every healthy human being does but we all also have our preferred balance of extroverting versus introverting and once you know what it like truly means to introvert the verb and extrovert the verb and what your personal balance needs to look like over an hour a day a week a year for you to feel optimally um in a good headspace it really changes the way you understand yourself and it changes the way you understand what the people around you need.
0: Yeah, and and there's also again kind of that push and pull with these two kind of like the love languages where say your spouse again to go to, to go that route because it's easy. Um say your spouse or your friend are an extrovert and they want to hang out with you because that's recharging them, but you're an introvert which means that it's draining you and so then you've got to spend time apart to recharge yourself. Meanwhile, they're then drained because they're alone. But then again, they can probably go find somebody else to charge off of.
1: (laughs) And some, some, uh, researchers think that for introverts, they feel most comfortable in like the world, in their real world, like their internal world, the one that's inside their own heads. And some researchers think that for an introvert, their real internal world kind of includes the people in their inner circle. So like sitting on the couch reading with my husband on a on a Friday night at the end of a really like bananas week can still be recharging to me even if every once in a while he'd be like hey let me ask you something hey can I tell you about this that still can totally count in a different way than like sitting in a relatively low-key book club with like neighbors that I don't know very well that would tax my introverted batteries in an entirely different way than sitting at home on the couch with my husband.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Okay. Something else I want to mention, cause it's not well known, but it really should be is highly sensitive people. And this is not strictly a personality type because this is a physiological phenomenon, but what it means if you are highly sensitive, you are not, you're not overly emotional you're not touchy, but it means your nervous system is more finely tuned than that of the general non-sensitive population. And what's really interesting is for those who think like, oh, like this is all just made up, is that this is true across species. It's not just a human thing. Like your cat could be highly sensitive or your gerbil or the panda bear at the zoo. So 15 to 20% of the species is highly sensitive. And I'm a highly sensitive person, I have at least one highly sensitive child. Um, As an adult, this manifests as, oh, yesterday I was trying to work at Starbucks because I had an hour to kill in in a certain neighborhood. And Starbucks had just switched over to Christmas music. So I was trying to write and work with words that needed to be organized in a very specific way. Like this was mentally taxing work while Run Run Rudolph's playlist was playing in the background. (laughs) Some people could do that. A highly sensitive person probably could not because that was too much input at one time. Um, if you're really sensitive to lights, sounds, loud noises, um, if you think you're going to lose your mind if somebody's talking to you while the TV's on and the radio's playing, um, if you really like, if the seams on your socks are going to like drive you bananas or the tags on your shirts, or if you don't like network news or action movies because it just feels so overwhelming emotionally you're likely a highly sensitive person and for children this often manifests unlike so many personality types where you can't know for years like the enneagram wait until you're 30 to figure out your type high sensitivity you might know on like day four before you bring your baby home from the hospital um because so many children uh will just be very sensitive to textures with their foods or their clothing um they seem to have very strong reactions to loud noises um (laughs) Our our friends knew they had a highly sensitive child. The first time they were in the vicinity of fireworks, we went to a baseball game with them. And afterwards, uh, the fireworks started going off and we didn't realize they were going to start so soon. And watching all these toddlers' different reactions to the fireworks um, said a lot about all those toddlers' personalities. It was really interesting. So the ones losing their mind and covering their ears and running for cover, likely highly sensitive. And you can observe them over the years and see, but... But just knowing that this is an actual thing that is true about humans is so, so useful. It really can change the dynamics in a home because there are so many variables that are within your control if you know that that would help you or help the people that you live with or love or interact with at work or in the neighborhood or whatever. But I've had people say things to me like, oh my gosh, I am 38 years old and I finally understand my mother. Now that I understand, like she is totally highly sensitive person and so many of the things she did when I was a kid and continues to do now make sense. And this is why.
0: I'm glad you brought this up because I am one of those sensitive people and my daughter and my son both are. My wife, she struggles with dealing with all three of us. <laughs> 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 well, and we, and the three of us struggle with each other. So <laughs> yeah, yeah something
1: it, I really found is that, so I'm highly sensitive and my husband is not, and I am so glad for that for my own sake because sometimes it's nice to have somebody who can just roll with the punches a little easier than I can or who can um, go to House of Boom (laughs) and like (laughs) drop off the kids for a birthday party you know the crazy trampoline place that has hundreds of like amped up kids there on the weekend but I also really like that my kids have a highly sensitive parent who understands their high sensitivity and also a non-highly sensitive parent who will be like um who's who is more likely to push them and challenge them in ways where I may be like, Oh, I totally understand why that's hard <laughs> and my husband will be like, Let's just try it. How bad could it be? And I really like they have both. So it sounds yeah. like that's dynamic in your home as well.
0: It totally is. And and for me, working at home I've had to invest in incredibly powerful noise-canceling headphones so that I can focus sometimes. Now, don't get me wrong, one of the things that I actually do like doing, strangely enough, is once in a while I like to go to a coffee shop and and I think and you were I mean if it were a problem for you, unlike this time where Rudolph was singing or whatever, but <laughs> uh it, it would be one of those things where you'd never go. But it's not the case that it's always that way, right? So why is it different sometimes versus others?
1: You know, it's interesting. So I don't know if this has happened to you, Eric, but I'll have the experience where I go to the coffee shop and there's nobody there. It's just me. Mm -hmm. And, oh, I had this one horrible run where I kept ending up next to couples having their first – in-person date when they met online. And if there's nobody in the coffee shop except you and somebody having a conversation where you can understand every word, and even even though you're trying really, really hard not to, because I don't think I've... I think I've sat next to one first date where I didn't want to like go tell one or the other of them, like, run, (laughs) run for the hill. (laughs) Nice. But when it is a humming coffee shop, you get that nice white noise effects. And yep. I can work in that all day long. Yeah.
0: And, but- and even my coffee shop, when they, cause they play great music, like I leave my phone out and I've got it ready to Shazam. Cause I've got <laughs> like, ooh, what is this? This sounds really cool. <laughs> I've done like, that. Oh, I've never, I didn't know that this person sang that song or, you know, yeah. stuff like that. It, even the music kind of like. So it's got to be sometimes like a certain mood. It can be like a moderately busy. If it's too busy, oh, get me out of here. If it's not busy enough, like, uh, I feel like I'm here by myself. But it's that that happy middle, that white noise that you're talking about that I like.
1: Yes, me too. And the music matters so much. Like once I went to my local coffee shop, not that long ago – and I needed to get some work done and they were always reliable with the music. But I don't know who was working that day or who was in charge or if somebody was just exhausted, but they were playing the grease soundtrack. Oh, and geez. I, I mean, I just couldn't, it might have been worse than <laughs>
0: Rudolph. I can't imagine. I, 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 yeah, I can't imagine playing the grease soundtrack. It, I know, but I'm
1: there's not... another coffee place that yeah. plays. Um, I don't know. They call it like the, is it the Duke Ellington channel, but it's mm. jazzy. Yeah. No work. It's great. And it's I always deserted. That. So there's that. I mean, all you can hear is like the blender and the coffee machine. And I can work in that too.
0: Yeah. Do you ever take headphones with you when you go to a coffee shop?
1: Oh, man. I re- I'm i I'm going to start. Like I really have a note in my bullet journal that says like order some to keep in my purse so that I'm never caught in a run run Rudolph situation again.
0: Yeah. I, I, that's what I've had to do is I keep a pair, a small pair uh, that has noise some noise canceling ability on it. I got like twenty bucks or something on Amazon, and uh, I keep them in my bag that uh, is always ready to go out the door if I mm-hmm. need to go go somewhere and focus. Uh, yeah, I'm, I that's going to
1: be my new my next productivity practice is just to keep some in my bag.
0: Yeah, so, well, we've talked about a bunch of different uh, assessments here. This isn't even really scratching the surface because you go into all of these and more, much more in depth. In the book, and again, the book is called "Reading People." How seeing the world through the lens of personality changes everything, and and I I really do think this is one of those books. There, you know what? Uh, I'm looking at, I'm holding it up and looking at it right now, and it's got this green background with gold lettering and some stars on it. It feels very Christmassy in a weird way. <laughs>
1: <So it's, laughs> now that you mention it, it really does. It, doesn't it, it, it?
0: really does, and, and it's got this the the side uh, the the binding. Um, that you would see if you had it sitting sideways on a bookshelf is gold too. So it's very holiday-esque in its appearance, but it is the perfect kind of book to actually sit and read over this coming holiday season. So I would highly recommend everybody go grab it. Um, I'll link up to it in the show notes. Obviously that'll be my Amazon affiliate link, but if there's any other place that you think people uh, should go to grab it, that benefits you more like straight from your site or something, uh, where should people go to find that?
1: They can buy it wherever new books are sold and wherever listeners want to buy a book, please do so. Um, we have gotten requests for personalized copies and we are not selling those individually on our, on our shop, but my local independent bookse- seller is doing fulfillment for those. So you can visit Carmichael's Bookstore online. It's Carmichael'sBookstore.com and just put a little note that says either that you want an autograph copy or if you want me to write like, Dear Carrie... Um, you know, thanks for I don't know. Tell me something really snarky to write in there about Christmas, Eric.
0: Oh gosh. um
1: if you know. wanted to say something ridiculous, like I hope this helped you survive Grandma's this year, there you go. I will I will do that and I will sign it for you. Just tell Carmichaels and they will get me in there to sign it and they will ship it your way. and
0: and actually uh, that's a great point. Um, we've talked about the whole benefit of this for you and others, but even if you just want to go from a purely selfish route, go get this book and read it so that you know that you know you better so that then you can deal better with your family (laughs) during this Christmas (laughs) season, during the holiday season, you know?
1: Yes. And I know what I was going to say. So depending on your personality, you can go online and not talk to a human soul and just put a little note at Carmichael's bookstore that says, you know, dear Carrie, Hope this helps you survive grandmas. Or you can call them on the telephone. That's Carmichael's bookstore in Louisville, Kentucky, and talk to a real live actual human being. So depending on your personality, maybe you need to do that right away so that you don't forget because you know that you tend to procrastinate and leave your Christmas shopping until the last minute. Or, you know, maybe you want to weigh your options before you go order a book. But you're right. This is a great time of year to bolster your self-awareness and your awareness about why the people around you or the people who aren't often around you, but are about to be around you for an intense short period of time, why they do what they do.
0: Awesome. And then, like I said previously, I will link to the What Should I Read Next podcast by Ann Bogle in the show notes for this episode, which you'll be able to find at com slash 202. Ann, thank you so much for being here. It's been awesome talking with you as usual. I hope we'll meet up again at a podcast conference or something soon in the near future.
1: That would be amazing. And thank you so much for having me.
0: So I don't know what type of personality you are. I don't know where you line up in all of these different assessments, but I do know this. Using these tools can really make a huge difference in your life and the lives of those around you. So do it for them, if not for yourself. (laughs) But seriously... It can make a huge impact. I know that it does for me. I continue to slowly go over my Enneagram and unpack that into becoming th- the best version of me. Because in a lot of ways, isn't that what this show is about? If you're interested in getting Anne's book, again, that'll be linked up in all the show notes, which you can find at com slash 202. If you liked this episode and you thought about somebody who needs to listen to it, Head on over there or send that URL to them. They will greatly appreciate listening to this conversation, especially if you have somebody specifically in mind that it would help. Don't forget to check out the sponsors for this episode by going to formstack.com slash beyond, where you can get a free trial and a promo code for 25% off your first three months. Seriously, check out Love Pop. These cards are amazing. Head on over to lovepop.com slash beyond and use the promo code Beyond, and you can get special pricing for five or more cards and get free shipping on any order. That's lovepop.com slash beyond, promo code beyond. And don't forget FreshBooks. It would be nice to get paid a little bit more right now around the holidays. So use FreshBooks for your invoicing and try their free trial. If you haven't tried them out before, head on over to freshbooks.com slash to do. That's freshbooks.com slash to do. Do and enter beyond the to-do list in the how did you hear about us section it lets them know that i sent you and then they want to sign up again to sponsor this show and support this show so i can keep doing it thanks again for listening i really appreciate you as a listener i am thankful that so many of you have been reaching out and letting me know how these episodes have been affecting you and helping you keep it up i love hearing from you and with that i will see you next episode